Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, June 1st. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, as the state enters the first week of safe return, another Mississippi county comes under heavier scrutiny. And we examine the latest developments regarding two drugs used to treat COVID-19. Then, for high school seniors across the state, graduation ceremonies are a milestone. We look at how the 2020 class is handling the challenges of the pandemic. Plus, hurricane preparedness on the season's first official day. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi enters the first week of the safe return order today. The order, signed by Governor Tate Reeves last week, allows all businesses in the state to open, provided they adhere to certain health safety guidelines. But some Mississippi counties remain under higher scrutiny due to increased levels of community transmission. During his daily press briefing Friday, Reeves announced amendments to the list of counties under heavier restrictions. Open for business does not mean risk-free. We all need an extra measure of personal responsibility as we move into the summer months. I am extending the executive order that puts stricter health rules in place for certain counties with the greatest risk. It will be in full force and effect at least until June the 8th. We will be amending it. We are going to add Wayne County, which is one of the most dangerous parts of the state when it comes to COVID-19 transmission at this moment. If you live in Wayne County, please take greater risk measures to protect your family. It's the reason that Dr. Dobbs was there yesterday talking with those in the community. You are at severe risk of spreading the virus. In addition to that, we will be removing Atala County, Leake County, Scott County, and Newton County. 
The current list of Mississippi counties under higher scrutiny include the newly added Wayne County, as well as Holmes, Jasper, Lauderdale, and Neshoba counties. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers says data suggests the restrictions in targeted counties is working. I think it's been pretty astounding when you look at the data that those four counties have had some drops in their cases, Um, not just stability, but actual decreases in the numbers. I think that that's evidence of how these measures can work. If we're all continue to do those things, uh, wearing a mask, um, social distancing, those are measures that can be effective in, in preventing further community transmission. And when you have community transmission, there's always a risk that you'll introduce it into long-term care settings. That's an effective way to prevent that um, as well. So even if you're not a county that's identified as in these higher measures through the governor, uh, it's still important to take those, those standard precautions that we've talked about across the board for everybody. And that's how we can, we can prevent those counties from bumping up higher. The Mississippi Department of Health reported over 700 new cases of COVID-19 over the weekend, sending the case total in the state above the 15,000 mark. As the state enters its third month of fighting the coronavirus, more is understood within the medical community about how to treat the infections and deadly disease. Late last month, the World Health Organization suspended use of hydroxychloroquine for treatment of COVID-19. Around the same time, the National Institutes of Health reported positive results from a study on the antiviral drug remdesivir. Dr. Vikas Majithia is a professor of internal medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center School of Medicine. He joins our Michael Guidry to discuss what's being learned about the drugs used to treat COVID. Uh, My opinion would be that it is very, very uh, clear that it is not an effective agent, an effective uh, treatment for uh, COVID-19 patients, uh, the, the safety signal may or may not be uh, significant here. Uh, I would have liked for, uh, you know, WHO to continue supporting its uh, studies in trying to determine exactly uh, what, uh, what is the role of hydroxychloroquine uh, further, by continuing to support uh, clinical trials in randomized fashions, which give us the best answers. Uh, there has been some critique of uh, this study, which suggested it may not have an adequate data in there uh, and, and some other issues. But by and large, I believe the study is uh, very uh, believable and, and these results are, uh, are significant and are showing what, uh, what, what is close to true. So this is my mixed feeling. So I think it gives us a good idea that, you know, again, Plaquenil or hydroxychloroquine has not felt, has not stood the test of effectiveness, um, but its safety is uh, still a little bit under the question. Um, and, and I would have liked WHO to continue to conduct trials. Uh, on, a, on a U.S. perspective, you know, we have still ongoing uh, clinical trials of hydroxychloroquine um, in, in treatment, and I think that may be the only place where hydroxychloroquine should be used while this question is question is being explored and answered further. So I do agree that um, it should not be recommended as treatment of hydro, uh, hydroxychloroquine should not be recommended as a treatment 
for patients who are hospitalized and have uh, COVID-19, but um, uh, ongoing clinical trials should still be conducted there. In May, the president told uh, reporters that he was taking hydroxychloroquine, um, presumably as a, as a prophylaxis. Is there any data that supports its effectiveness as a prophylaxis? At this time, uh, there is no data which supports its uh, use as prophylaxis. But again, that is an, um, a subject of some ongoing studies in which trying to address this question is being tested. So I, I would not necessarily recommend uh, anybody to take it as prophylaxis in, um, um, because we do not know if it really even works. I'd like to shift towards another drug uh, that has been the subject of trials and study, and that's remdesivir. What is the status of remdesivir as a positive means for treatment or prevention? That is an excellent uh, area to discuss. Uh, um, you know, remdesivir was, uh, uh, is one of the antiviral agents. It, uh, it prevents the replication of virus, and, and in fact, uh, it inhibits its in, in, you know, attachment to the respiratory epithelium. And that's why it was very exciting to try to test this uh, medication uh, in, in COVID-19, it was uh, being already tested and shown some laboratory uh, data in, in uh, coronaviruses. So uh, the, the trial which was conducted under, under the purview of NIH uh, funding um, suggested that use of remdesivir for patients who are hospitalized um, you know, has had a positive impact in outcomes of patients who are hospitalized. So it was, uh, there was a 31% improvement in, in time to recovery. So that means patients who got uh, remdesivir had four days less of hospitalization as compared to the placebo on the basis of the study. Also, their mortality or death rate was less. Uh, that uh, improvement of 31% was strongly statistically significant, and hence uh, FDA uh, went ahead and uh, gave an emergency use authorization, EUA, in early May on the basis of this study. So I'm, I'm excited. I think it's a really good medication to help improve the outcomes of these patients. But again, I want to caution and say clearly that this is not a cure. This is not where you get remdesivir and, and certainly, the medic, certainly the disease disappears or people get a whole lot better. But there is a, a, a good signal for improvement in patients who have moderate to severe disease and who are hospitalized, and it does improve the outcomes on these patients. Do you have any thoughts that you'd like to articulate that I haven't asked regarding uh, treatment of COVID-19 or the development of a vaccine for COVID-19? Well, first of all, I would uh, like to say that the treatment has progressed. We have developed a lot of understanding, and I think we're looking at our outcomes being um, improving, uh, outcomes improving as, it, as the time goes. The cure is still elusive. It's not that we don't have a medication where if we can start it early, it kind of stops the disease in the tracks, or, or if it is given to sick or, or uh, hospitalized patients, it will reverse and improve and make them much, much better very quickly. 
but uh, but I think we have come a long way, but cure remains elusive. The vaccination is going to be the ultimate you know, holy grail of uh, management of COVID-19 because, as you, you can see, it is a fairly uh, uh, infectious disease and gets communicated very easily, and it seems like it is here to stay for a while. There is some skepticism that even with vaccine, we may not get a great response, but I, I, I really think... I'm very hopeful that the vaccine would be uh, one thing which will stop uh, this uh, disease in its track and, and prevent its spread uh, further. Dr. Magicia is a professor of internal medicine, Department of Rheumatology at the UMMC School of Medicine. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Coming up, for high school seniors across the state, graduation ceremonies are a milestone. We look at how the 2020 class is handling the challenges of the pandemic. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. High school graduation is an important rite of passage for many seniors. It's where students get the chance to walk across the stage to accept their diploma as family and friends look on. But overnight, because of the coronavirus pandemic, things changed for seniors, canceled prom, senior trips, and even graduation ceremonies. MPB's Alexandra Watts speaks with some Mississippi high school seniors about their final school year. Courtney Sutton stands in her cap, gown, and honor cords as she gives her salutatorian speech. I am humbled and honored to serve as salutatorian of the Forest Hill class of 2020. But because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Sutton is giving her speech to an empty stadium. During those wonderful years, we've experienced good and bad times. Like now, we are facing a huge obstacle, the inability to convene and fellowship in the traditional sense. Jackson Public School District seniors were still able to give speeches and get their diplomas on stage. But the pandemic forced graduation to happen at empty Veterans Memorial Stadium. No loved ones were allowed in the audience. But because the event was recorded, loved ones were able to watch the ceremony online or on television later. Although Sutton's family could view the pomp and circumstance later, she says they were sad they weren't able to physically be there. They were a little upset because I am their last child to graduate high school, so they really wanted to be a part of that because I am the last. It was heartbreaking to them. Families and students across the state faced a new normal as schools shut down and the COVID-19 pandemic spread across the state. Sutton's courses moved online, her choir practiced over Zoom, and traditional senior milestones were put on hold. Because it was like so many programs, I was supposed to sing the national anthem, I was supposed to have a spring concert with choir, and I'm also the choir student directory. I never got the chance to actually direct the song because of the pandemic. 
didn't have a senior picnic. We didn't have prom. Most graduations in Mississippi were turned into virtual or drive-through celebrations. But students from Water Valley High School are hoping to walk across the stage in an outdoor ceremony later this month when they graduate. Coulter Clement is a graduating senior at the school. As valedictorian, he's starting on his speech. Said right now we're planning to have an in-person graduation, so I would just give it there. But if something changes and we have to do, you know, like a few at a time or whatever, we would just record something and get it out there. So that's when I got to start working on a good speech. <laughs> Students can only have a few guests at the graduation, but even with an in-person celebration, Clement says he is sad he missed out on certain parts of his senior year. It won't be the same as it would be if everything was back to normal. But I know they're trying, and so I really do appreciate that. But it doesn't necessarily still make it, you know, like all better. You still hate that you're missing out on things. This senior year in general is just something you look forward to like your entire life. That's been tough knowing that it's not going to be how we envisioned it or how we planned. But Clement is looking back at some of the good memories he's had and looking forward to making new memories at Mississippi College, where he will be attending in the fall as an honor student. Courtney Sutton will be attending Jackson State University and majoring in elementary education. But for those still in high school, she has some advice. I say, while you have the chance to do it, please do it. Because I know last year, some of the juniors were like, oh, I'm not going to prom. I'm going to wait to my senior year. But it's our senior year and we weren't able to have a prom, so they never got that experience. As a hard school year ends, Sutton concludes her speech by encouraging her fellow classmates to remain optimistic. Step up when times are tough. If you want to change the world, you must be your very best in the darkest moment. And students like Sutton and Clement are doing just that. Alexandra Watts, MPB News. And remember, we're the best, we're better than the rest. We are the mighty, mighty patriots. Coming up, hurricane preparedness on the season's first official day. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. It's the first day of June, which for those states bordering the warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico also means the first official day of hurricane season. With two named storms already on record, forecasters are predicting a busy year, and that's proving to be even more the case as meteorologists are currently keeping an eye on a tropical disturbance just west of the Yucatan Peninsula. Rupert Lacey is the Emergency Management Director for Harrison County. He helps us lay out what Mississippians can expect this season. The National Weather uh, Service, NOAA, uh, the parent organization, and then some of the private entities have all alluded to over the last uh, two months uh, that we were looking at what is going to be an above average season. Uh, the numbers uh, that they have forecasted are higher numbers, but, you know, realistically, all we've got to have is one storm have impact on us, and that ruins the, uh, um, you know, the the area for uh, for that season. We are in un- some unprecedented times, um, you know, the, the Mississippi Gulf Coast and Mississippi, you know, from I-20 down is, is used to the threat of hurricanes every year, but we're, we're dealing with a pandemic as well. 
I know you can speak for your county specifically, but I imagine there's a coordinated effort. Uh, what precautions and what uh, protocol are you taking uh, to prepare for hurricane season and all the evacuations that might come with it while also maintaining the, the necessary health requirements that the pandemic require? Uh, of course, uh, uh, speaking on behalf of Harrison County, uh, we have, uh, you know, sheltering, uh, and we'll call it uh, as it is sometimes. It's that shelter of last resort. It's not, uh, it's not as comfortable as going inland or to a hotel or, or someplace like that. But we have shelters in play uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic this year. Of course, uh, we started looking at the plans uh, and, and what we have done in past years. And we automatically knew that we had to cut down the size of the population that we would put in those respective buildings. And with that, that takes us into the contingency plan of having to open up other buildings that uh, become backup hurricane shelters for us. So uh, in, the, in the last two months, working with our partners, uh, we have gone through our list, uh, you know, for a an average type storm, we would not need to use all of them, uh, but if it's something that is uh, catastrophic, of course, we would, you know, contingency plan, we're going to open up as many buildings as feasible and possible to protect the citizens that don't evacuate outside of uh, Harrison County. The season officially starts on Monday, uh, but the season itself sort of has phases. We've seen two named storms along the you know, Atlantic coast. What is the prime phase of the season for activity in the Gulf of Mexico that Mississippians really might need to tune their antennas to, to, to a little bit more? Well, you know, it's it's one of those that typically we see the season become very robust in uh, the end of July through the, uh, the mid-portion of September. But with that being said, uh, it's one of those that, you know, Mother Nature, weather does not know a calendar date. Uh, what we have noticed, uh, uh, what we have noticed in the weather patterns is that the month of April, uh, we were seeing more higher temperatures, which were revel- relevant to the month of May. Now, May is come and, and almost gone, and we're looking at higher temperature values now. Uh, so going into June, you know, uh, are we going to see higher temperatures, heat indexes jump up uh, to those uh, heat-related emergency types? Uh, we did not have a winter. Uh, what we have noticed is that the Mississippi Sound and the, the Gulf of Mexico is more warmer. Uh, and and uh, Noah has said that that does play a lot. Uh, we're watching those uh, those currents, the jet stream, uh, as to it flows, and and uh, you know that works in our benefit. Sometimes it creates a lot of wind shear, uh, but once we get into July, August, uh, we see that shift. So we don't know, you know, what the patterns are going to play or play out to be. Part of I guess negotiating the threat of a hurricane is preparedness. Um, what are some of the things that both your county agency and 
and the Greater MEMA Agency suggests when people begin to prepare in case an evacuation is necessary? Well, you know, and, and the, the message is, and it's been a, been a unified message, we want people to, to be ready, uh, of course, have supplies on hand, and, and have supplies on hand. Uh, don't wait until there's a storm. Uh, you know, this is a time that you should be refreshing, replenishing your your tropical weather kit. Uh, have a good communications plan this year is that, uh, depending on how you travel, where you travel, let your loved ones know so that they can keep up with you. Uh, have a good evacuation plan. You know, if you can, think about where you're going to go if you're not going to stay on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Uh, and with COVID-19 now, it's one of those that, you know, you have to look at uh, potential hotspots um, and uh, you have to look at hotel room or, or, or uh, capabilities that, um, you know, more people probably will want to do the hotel versus going to, uh, to a hurricane shelter. Um, and then that leads to the, to the question, when do you go uh, to make sure that you're safe? You want to try to leave earlier uh, because of the availability get your information from a trusted source, be it the media, be it the National Hurricane Center, be it your local weather service office, be it MEMA, uh, or be it your local emergency management agency. We're going to put out that official forecast of what the Hurricane Center is telling us. Rupert Lacey is the Emergency Management Director for Harrison County. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.